Hi, I'm Gabe. And I'm Kat. And we're The The Ghouls Ghouls Next Next Door. Welcome to our podcast. Yes, thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a good time here. It means a lot to us. Yeah, and, and you know, we're just so busy, and I know you're so busy with your husbands, that um, there's so little time to do anything else but clean and cook and, and knit and crochet and have babies, right? Absolutely. That takes up so much of our time, and we pride ourselves on how efficiently we can do that. And what I will say is maybe don't take anything we say too seriously because we don't, we're not smart, we're women. We're not strong, we're women. Who needs an education? When you have children, they'll get the education unless they're girls. And then they get educated in the arts, learn piano, and also which fork to use at dinner time. Right now I'm making a blanket and I don't have any kids, but I know I will someday. You have to, that is your only goal. If you haven't noticed, today's episode is about the oppression of women. Yeah, it's really hard to talk like this, like, all, like this. I don't even know how to describe it. It's just awful. (laughs) It's someone's thing, and that's... I'm going to go over my mouth as I laugh. (laughs) Yeah, you you do not want to offend. Uh, So we're talking in our Horror Society episode about the oppression of women, Mm -hmm. and we feel very strongly about this topic. (laughs) To the point where uh, it's going to be two episodes, guys, because I did so much research that it would have been enough to fill a TED Talk. So, yeah, it's like I majored in history or something. TED Talks are, like, notoriously short. I don't know. I don't know how long <laughs> TED Talks are. I'm, I'm not smart, remember? It's the whole thing. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know how long a TED Talk is. But I meant, like, more so, I, in college, I had to write essay, like, thesis papers. Mm-hmm. Um, and my graduating thesis was, like, 35 pages long. Yeah. I could have written that many pages, <laughs> plus probably more, maybe a book. Yeah. About all of this stuff, so... Yeah, yeah, and what we, you know, cover today is robust, but tune in next week because we'll be talking about more. Yeah. Uh, I think today is kind of like the history of it and what we've seen previously, and next week is the future. Yeah, it's going to be scary, guys. We need to wake up. We're in the fro- we're frogs in the water, and I'm not waiting until it's too late, is what I'm saying. So hello again. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're going to have such a nice time. Uh, If you're a man, well, maybe leave. Just kidding. We love you. (laughs) Everything we do is for you. Let me rub them. You had a long day at work. I don't care that you just tracked mud into the house. It's totally fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. All right, yeah, no, I look crazy. It's fine, whatever. <laughs> so today in Cat's History Corner, uh, we're talking about the history of the oppression of women. So super fun topic, mm-hmm. really happy and wonderful, and, and just how. full of uh, what is it, sugar spice and everything nice. Oh yes, um, is what we're talking about today. Except that is a euphemism for it's not. We're not doing that. It's bad time, horrible. Why? Um, so basically, I didn't do it. today, <laughs> I don't know, somebody did, um, and apparently, according to all the things I'm going to tell you, apparently we think no one's to blame, so that's what we're going to talk about. Um, so specifically, we're talking about the why and the how of okay. the oppression of women. So it's like, we have the history, in some like context, we know women have been oppressed. Yes? We all agree? Okay. Survey says, yes. Um, so we're going to get a little bit of the how, we're going to talk about why, though, like what justifies it into their minds mm-hmm. people who feel this way and then also like we're gonna do the whole like you've been debunked 
thing where you're <laughs> yes. like, you said this, you're super biased, that Don't was wrong. That's what we do. Yeah. So before I'm going to get into like all of it, it's going to be a lot. Please stay with me. Um, I have to give you three definitions. Are we ready? Yes. Do One. I need to write this down? I cannot retain information. I'm a lady. Yes. Or can you write? Unless it's recipes. Can you write in cursive? That's all I can do. Okay, good. So historiography. I've talked about this many times before. It is the study of history, historical writing. So it's the, why is history written this way? What influenced it to be written this way? The ideals, thoughts, perspectives displayed in the writing, and most importantly, like the source of the writing, is it reliable? It's the source that we're reading, someone that we can trust. Mm-hmm. Is the perspective that are we looking for information? Like, yeah. are we going in with bias or no? So it's the media analysis goggles of history, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, so second definition is traditionalist. The dictionary defines it as somebody who's like very traditional in their ideas, arguments, all these things. They don't want anything to change, and it's usually based in, like, the past or religious view. It's based on whatever their ideals are. They don't want to change them. Mm-hmm. So they're not seeking information to change them. A euphemism, basically, for uh, people who oppress people because they think it was better before. Yeah. <clears throat> Make America great again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I also have a cough, joke cough. Excellent. I'm so excited. Uh, Sexual asymmetry is our third definition. It is defined as the assignment of different tasks and roles to men and women based on sex within a culture. Mm. So it's like you're a woman, you do this task for your society. You're a man, you do this task for your society. Um, Gender is a social construct. Yes, but that's not how, unfortunately, many people see the world. So... uh, we have our definitions. We're ready to go. I'm ready. Uh, the questions that were asked. How, ooh, how does this tie into the oppression of women? How do these definitions do that? Uh, let's start with historiography. A lot of this is pulled from The Creation of the Patriarchy by Gerda Lerner. And I'm not going to say every time I quote her directly. Okay. Because so, it's a lot of times. And I just want credit to be due. So go read the book. It's good. You can say, like, Gerda said this. I will do my best. To differentiate between your words and hers. But they mesh. We say the same things, but say not at the same time. So what is the history of the oppression of women? Uh, historical influences support or refute the idea that women need to be oppressed. What, what does that? Why do, we, why do people feel that all we're good for is making babies, staying home, not doing stuff like that out in the world with jobs and stuff. Um, and what evidence is used to further that ideology? Like, is is it scientific? Is it fact? Is it presented with bias? The answer is yes. Um, in terms of it being presented with bias. Uh, and there are two things we see most commonly used as justification for the oppression of women. Religion mm-hmm. and science. Yep. What, it's funny because usually those things are used against each other on opposite ends. But they but match. they unite. They unite as to one. To oppress women. Exactly. That's exactly what happens. Um, In a lot of cultures, but specifically I'm talking mostly about American and Western culture. Mm -hmm. Because that is the lens with which I live. Yeah. So uh, That's what we have a right to talk about. Yes. Nothing about us without us. So (laughs) uh, the history of Western society is largely driven by Darwinism and Christianity. Um, Both have been used as validation for systemic methods of oppression for many groups, but specifically... Women, in this case, uh, creating an understanding of a lesser and validating the mistreatment of that lesser for religious or scientific grounds. So you're making it seem like there is a logical, we're okay because yeah. God said, or we're okay because science said, when it's like, it's not science. We don't know if God's real. Yeah. Also, I don't think God would want that. Yeah. It's a lot of, like, whispering, like, why? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So when viewing the history of humankind, uh, traditionalists hold to the idea that women subordination is a universal, God-given, natural fact. Like, it just, there's without question. Yeah. It has been stated. It is, that is the law. We cannot question it. And to question it would be going against the law of God. Or Quite many, many religions, even outside yeah. of Christianity. Yeah. It's the whole time. Um, So 
they inherently assume that if men and women are designated certain roles, that there's differences or there's any differences between men and women, that the reasoning for that is because one is one group is lesser. And the argument for them is that women are lesser. And I'll give you the little rundown of all the things that they love to say. Um, so as for any information we take in, we should not just read it and be like, yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, that's everything. Totally cool. We're, we should question everything that we're presented. We say that with everything we watch. You should be wearing your media analysis glasses. Mm-hmm. You should be going into things intelligently, like looking at it and trying to like decipher what it's trying to tell you. Yeah. Where um, traditionalists generally do not go into research and like studying of history with that mindset. Mm-hmm. They're going in, I need something to prove that what I think is right. Yeah. And that's all I'm going to take out of this. That's all I'm going to read. So what I'm arguing is that there's a lot of bias. And also, I feel very strongly that the use of, usage of universals ever is a big red flag. You cannot generalize an entire thing. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like you're guaranteeing yourself to be contradicted, have an exception, and mm-hmm. it basically so quickly can invalidate your entire argument. Yeah. So, yeah, we question this. It's not, it's not universal, because one, it's not. Um, but, you know, anyone who's critical of patriarchal explanations have to ask if this is something that people feel is a universal truth. When did that start? How, when, and why did female subordination begin to, like, be said as a thing of history? Mm-hmm. When did it come into existence? And is it actually universal, essentially? So we know traditionally I should say the argument is offered on religious terms that God created man and then created women from Adam's rib. Yep. They are a piece of man, thus lesser than man. Totally um, forgetting about Lilith. Yes. Convenient. God made man and woman, and then later he made Eve. What happened to that lady he made before? She left to be with demons because they respect her. Sounds right. History lesson. <laughs> um, so yeah, the whole religion... Specifically Christianity. Um, And, you know, the whole origin story extends to other religions as well in terms Mm -hmm. of, like, Adam and Eve and Lilith ends up being spoke of a lot in, like, Jewish tradition. Yeah. Um, uh, So the Adam's rib, and then also that we are the reason we fell from Eden. So we have a reason to feel shame. It is our fault that we we are not in heaven or that we're not in Eden, essentially. It is, like, we should forever Mm -hmm. eternally pay for that. Yeah. No See what happens when you try to learn stuff, women? Can we See talk about contradiction for a minute, though? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Forgiveness, right? Yeah, that's his that's whole, his whole thing. thing. Listen, but we're can't saying be comparing Jesus' actual teachings to today. Eve was like, I'm just hungry. Well, that's the whole thing. God and Jesus are two different people. I know. but God's a jerk. But I'm saying Jesus like forgave Jesus her. Jesus would have forgiven her. That's what I'm saying. So, yeah, uh, traditionalist defenses of male supremacy based on biological deterministic reasoning have changed over time and proven remarkably adaptive and resilient. So that's something that uh, is from the book. So everyone knows. Goethe said that. Nice. (laughs) So good on you, traditionalist men, on your resiliency. Um, and it, it's funny because as soon as the religious argument kind of started to get weakened in the 19th century, the traditionalist explanation of women's inferiority became scientific. Mm. Convenient. Yeah. Um, so Darwinist theories started to come forward and it basically reinforced all the beliefs of the traditionalist men. And honestly, there are likely traditionalist women as well, mm-hmm. uh, who basically reinforced this and said, that what God said, or if we're not fully accepting that, now we have science. So the people who were doubting us because they were like, be like, you're just talking about like mystical things, religion, yeah. you know, that's not fact. He's adding science into this. So now it's fact, right? Uh, so Darwin's theories is basically like survival of the fittest. Mm. You're to procreate. Uh, the strong survive. Uh, and it basically just, it just justifies oppression kind of across the board, especially in American society where we Mm -hmm. have capitalism, uh, and we're like, all right, well, if you don't survive, it's your fault. You don't deserve to live. 
is the argument that Darwin would make. Um, so yeah, it just further justified the patriarchy and further like reinforced a maternal role for women. So it's just kind of gross. Uh, and basically it was their argument for a very long time and pushed them into feeling like, well, if they can't fight for their rights to do these things, they shouldn't be able to. Yeah. Essentially. Um, and then you had other people, Sigmund Freud, <laughs> arguing uh, yeah. on scientific grounds. Uh, basically saying that the normal human is male. Yes. Oh, yes. And the female, the female is castrated male. Yes. By his definition, a deviant human being lacking a penis. Yep. Whose entire psychological structure supposedly centered on the struggle of to compensate for this deficiency. Penis envy. Yes. Um, and that female anatomy is destiny. We are less because that is what is destined to us. Hmm. So, yeah, really nice views that we have so far. I'm going to keep going. Stay with me. It's going to get better where I tell them they're all bad. Okay. Um, so another claim they'll use uh, is sexual asymmetry. So I defined that earlier. Uh, well, it's been observed in all known human societies because men and women, if we're going to continue on in society and we have not yet developed science that will make babies for us, yeah. babies have to happen. There cannot be society without babies. Sure. It's just life yeah to make, literally to continue society to have society you need to make more society people and the only way to do that is through babies yeah and the last only time ladies I checked, can do men or, cannot birth yeah. children yeah as of today to my knowledge unless you're trans yes uh so they created natural sex differences mm -hmm. is essentially the argument uh that determined the sexual division of labor mm -hmm. so we, like in early societies and like all known societies that is something that happens so like men would do certain tasks not universally because universals aren't real and then women would do certain tasks and there would be overlap but they were designated to certain realms because of the fact that they were identified through sex mm -hmm. um and you basically use religion and science combined together as a scapegoat so that no one can be blamed other than God or natural destiny for sexual inequality and male dominance, especially not men. Right? Nope. So uh, they even go as far to say that menstruation and menopause, even pregnancy, were regarded as so debilitating as diseased or abnormal states which incapacitated women. And rendered them actually inferior. That was another. Yeah, that's why they always sent us out in the woods for a week. Yeah. Just in case. Like a wolf out or something. So I can't have a lady in the office. What if she gets her period and throws all the bombs everywhere? Did you see the debates that? where they all just scream at each other? But the women are just like, I don't understand. Yeah, the women are like, I'm not allowed to do that. Because then I'll be called hysterical. Um, yeah, so uh, they also just see, like, the only thing a woman can do is have babies. So the women's chief goal in life is to have children, and mm -hmm. it's our responsibility because we are the only ones who can continue society. Yeah. So the expectation... You think that they would then value us because <laughs> we are holding all the cards. We already have the means of production. It's the people. <laughs> we own them. There's plenty of matriarchal societies. We need to go to them. All I'm saying is... Unfortunately, when the reality of trying to not, uh, we might have Handmaid's Tale. Uh, yep. <laughs> so basically, and if you don't want to have a baby, that's like deviant behavior. You are not yeah, a woman forbid. fulfilling your purpose, essentially. So a woman's maternal function is basically seen as a species necessity. We need to have babies. We have a lot of people. There's so we don't really need that many more. Okay, I think we can all take a break. Reason we don't need more. All right, I think we, it's totally cool. We don't need more. When it's not a crisis, I promise. You know what would solve global warming? We live too long. Stop having babies. Okay. Uh, but the idea is that, like, we could not have made it to the modern world without us having lots and lots of kids. Yeah. Uh, and then, basically, it, the expectation is that women have to devote most of their adult lives to childbearing and child rearing. Yeah, because the men can't help. 
Who else is gonna? <coughs> Excuse me. Who else is gonna help these children? The men can't stay home and cook for them and clean and drive them to school. What? No. So it has to be the mom. Yep. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, basically saying that like men, and unless they're trans, cannot biologically have a baby. Yeah. So the pressure of reproduction is purely on us. Uh, yeah. And they basically argue that that is a reason that we are lesser. So like the sexual division of labor based on biological differences is functional and just. Uh, and it also implies that forcing women to conceive would be just according to that framework. Uh, that was by Gerda. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Got you. All right, so another argument traditionalists would make is that men are dominant because they're physically stronger. We're weak, we're little. We can't pick stuff up and put it down. Our bones aren't as dense. You know how many times that happens in my life as someone who works on television? Like, let me carry that for you. It's, I got it. And I will like hurt myself because I, always, I will yeah. not let you. <laughs> like, yeah. No. People, I, I'm always, like, carrying a bunch of stuff downstairs for, mm -hmm. to be with the kids. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Back up. Don't yeah. try to help me. I'm doing this for me. Like, are you sure that's, that's this many pounds? And I'm just like, thank you. <laughs> and I walk away. It's going to be that many pounds in your face when I throw it. Just kidding. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the arguments that oh, they're yes. physically stronger. So, uh, basically, it justifies that they would be given more power because they're stronger. That doesn't so, make any sense. I know. Power should be intelligence. I agree with you. But also, so, like, let's talk science. Okay. Now we're going to get to, like, why they're wrong. Yes. Yay. Woo! Uh, so, if we're considering <sighs> anthropology a scientific school of thought, which it is, mm -hmm. uh, the man the hunter explanation, basically the man is strong. Man strong. Yeah. Women uh, get buried. And the idea that men have to provide for women, the argument behind that, Bring according to anthropological evidence, has been disproven. Nice. Uh, specifically concerning, like, hunter and gatherer societies throughout history. So, in most of these societies, men would hunt big game. Yeah. Um, and big game hunting was purely an auxiliary sport. Yeah. Uh, meaning it was supplemental. Mm -hmm. It was not essential to survival. They did it extra sometimes. Yeah. Um, and the main food supply yeah. was provided by gathering activities and small game hunting, which was done by women and children. Or think about lionesses. Yeah. They're the ones going out and getting the food, and the husband, big hair, is like, play with the kids. Yeah. What I'm saying, like, yeah, so the women and children are the ones who do most of the providing mm -hmm. in those societies. We got tiny hands and we could sneak. It's <laughs> my argument. Yes. Also, <laughs> it is uh, basically, there's lots of examples of women having, like, really high rank in those kinds of societies, as well mm -hmm. as, like, their existence is complementary. It's yeah. not... No one is better or worse. And that's, like, the problem with the traditionalist view is that they're going into this purely seeking the idea that they read that and they think, oh, well, men hunt big game. That so means they're, so they're, they're important. They're dominant. And women hunt small game, the main source of food and survival of these societies, weak. Because they have babies. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> they also... Give birth to human beings. They give birth while standing in the fields and then keep going. Yeah. They carry babies on their fronts and their backs they with the water. They catch the stuff. And, like, all the grocery bags. And, like, they're doing... They go grocery shopping with a child. Yeah. Strapped to them. Yeah. They hunt small game while being on their period in an excruciating pain. Because guess what happens if you don't work together, you die. Yep. Um, so it's basically saying that they're complementary of each other and that, like, there's not any situation where they're saying that one is better than the other. Mm. So, like, they read that and interpret it as one is less, one is more. Yeah. If you're reading it, it's literally just like, we need to do what we need to do to survive. Mm -hmm. Men and women have to cohabitate in some way. Yeah. Human nature, survival, we work together. It does not mean 
you serve me. Yeah. I am big man strong now. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, there's no reason to have your head go there. Yeah. So, uh, feminist anthropologists. strong community. Yeah. Uh, have recently challenged the many earlier generalizations. As I said, universals are trash. Uh, which found male dom- dominance virtually universal in all known societies. It's not. Hmm. It's basically a patriarchal assumption on the part of ethnographers, which is the scientific description of the customs of individual peoples and cultures. Okay. I didn't know. I googled it, and here we are. Um, And the investigators of those cultures. So, essentially, when they look at the data, female, or not female, feminist anthropologists Mm -hmm. look at that data, and they review it, they're basically like, is male dominance universal? The answer is no. They have found societies where sexual asymmetry carries no connotation of dominance. Or subordination. It's just like, we're just doing what we need to to survive. And then, like, you see how it's developed in specific... I think capitalism had a big role to play. Mm-hmm. Like, the birth of uh, consumer culture. Uh, specifically, like, when it all... Merchant culture began in, like, Italy. Way back when. is mm-hmm. like, really when money started to influence power. And then, essentially, you sold your daughters... They weren't people. Dowries well, began. That's That was a long time. Yeah, merchant, yeah. Well, I mean, Lot tried to sell his daughters to the angels. Yeah. And they were the ones he when saved. When was the Bible written? <laughs> a long time ago. Was it during merchant culture? Um, no. Okay. It was before that. All I'm saying is, uh, They've been trying to sell ladies a long time is what I'm saying. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah, no, also what you said. I'm basically saying it's not universal like it's not something that like you have to look at how you're interpreting and reading history and that like just because you go into something like you also have to think about who's writing the history Mm -hmm. because specifically for a very long time last 150 years we did not have the ability to go to school like we had been taken from that like we we were not we were very purposefully oppressed yeah because honestly i don't know what happened but we just decided men decided that like they were going to justify all this awful stuff with religion have people have faith in that religion make it so that people firmly believe that that's what we need to do and then once religion kind of came less of a trustworthy source they gave science oh they also gave you like the american like uh, nuclear family too yep. like they made it um, national as well it's all like a construct I mean so culture is a construct but like yeah it is all a construct uh, it's all done very intentionally and uh, we do not have to live with it it's trash it's trash So we watched some things. We watched one thing for this week. Yes. To talk about. Uh, so we watched Stepford Wives. We did. We did. And we found our role in society. We sure did. It's making blankets and cooking. and Cooking mini cupcakes. Cleaning the house. Having babies. Yes. Uh, and not having opinions. That's important. Yes. Unless it's about the drapes. <laughs> uh, so we watched uh, Stepford Wives, which is from 2004. It's directed by Frank Oz. Uh, this is a remake. We did also watch a bit of the original. Yes. So it is about the secret to a Stepford wife lies behind the doors of the men's association. I feel like men shouldn't have associations. <laughs> Okay. I feel like that's Strong. my main takeaway. Bold. Bold claim. Uh, uh, maybe maybe women don't either. I just feel like we shouldn't form. Nobody should have them. Uh, cult like clubs mm-hmm. that are used as means to do bad things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's a given. Um, just so, my thoughts. Yeah. Oh, I can't have those. Oops. Yep. Oops. Oops. <laughs> uh, so it is a. Okay. One, I just wanted to say, Nicole Kidman's, like, super tall. That's one thing I just wanted to say. And in yes. this film, it's very 
knowledgeable. Uh, but even if you have never seen Stepford Wives, which yeah. I had not seen it until this episode, uh, you still know what it is. Yeah. Like, everyone knows what a separate wife is. Like, it's just in our, like, you know, common culture. Well, yeah, I think people think, like, 1950s housewife. Yeah, but they also know the whole premise, right? Yeah. Everyone knows, like, what it was. Um, Women be too smart. They're doing too much. Yeah. Put them back to the <laughs> uh, way things were. It was better then yeah. for men. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just that this ideology of a Stepford wife is more than just, like, a film, right? It's a statement. It's a way of life. A cautionary tale yeah. for women of, like, look what happens when if you're you obedient to your husband. Or if you're, like... Not obedient to your husband. Yeah. Uh, according to an article I found on filmcomment.com, in 2003, there was the New York Times Stepford Spring Fashion Supplement and a Maureen Dowd column headline, The Stepford Wives, now showing at the Botox Salon near you. So there's, like, there's clothing that was yeah. <laughs> attributed to it, as well as, uh, like, Botox, because they were so perfect. They were, like, pristine. Yeah. So it was just, like, no some, this ages. aspiration, right? Like, yeah. uh and it was based off of, like, you know, the perfect housewife, but it's also pretty much based off of, like, Barbie. Yeah. You know? That makes so much sense, yeah. Tiny, tiny waists. Uh, the, art the author of that article, Our Bodies, Ourselves, the Stepford Wives, uh, Alyssa Court is her name, says, The phrase has been taken up to describe a general phenomenon. It was the term for what middle-class women didn't want to end up as, but with a camp accent ensuring that those using it wouldn't be mistaken for earnest. So it's like a joke, okay. <laughs> right? Uh, again, it's a cautionary tale. And Alyssa brings up this, uh, an amazing point that I think is super prev prevalent in regards to our current series about social horror. Uh -huh. And that there's this, um, she dubbed it the like, at least clause, essentially. So it's this idea when we have like social horror films, that there's always this excuse or explanation for how we got to that point uh -huh. that's like easy to be like, like, oh, that can never happen in real life because that doesn't exist. So like if yeah. you think of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, it's like the only reason that the world got that bad is because there's aliens. Right? The only reason that separate wives exist is because they're robots. Like, there's no way... Spoilers! <laughs> yes. I'm uh, kidding. There's no way <laughs> in, like, our real world that we'd ever get to the point where people would want us to be subservient robots, right? Yeah. There's no way we would just do that. We'd have to be turned into a robot in order for that to happen. Yeah! <laughs> Which is why I think it's so funny, because this, compared to what we're going to talk about next week, is going to be really fun. Yeah, it's uh, a whole situation. <laughs> uh, so, we just have, like, so, like, in most dystopian films, we're kind of thrown right into the middle of them. Yeah. All right, so we're kind of, like, we have to just believe this world. It happened overnight. So, it really feels science fiction, right? Like, it could never happen. It's this distant future that, like, crazy things would have had to be in place in order for that world to happen which is why next week when we talk about handmaid's tale and the way it peppers in the progression to that it's so much more impactful than something like stepford wise where we're kind of in it and it's like there's this absurd technology it's like haha that's not real <laughs> yeah exactly uh so in this film uh stepford wise kind of solidifies our pride or, like, hubris, right? Okay. Uh, that, like, w that would never happen, right? This idea that there's no way. Um, and that they wouldn't, they would have to turn us into robots because we would never do that, right? Because we've come so far. We can't go back. <laughs> yeah, I think something that um, the remake misses, which is the one from 2004, uh is like this one of the points of the first one, which is that the first one is definitely a horror film and it is terrifying. And the second one, it, or the remake, it is comedy. It's, uh -huh. it's poking fun. And I think because it was taking for granted our progression. Yeah, I would agree. So it was like, ha ha ha, wasn't that a crazy idea back then when we thought people would do that? Uh, and so it's like, of course that wouldn't happen now. And also having like, uh, in the remake, having love be, like, this, you know, powerful thing that, like, destroys them and uh -huh. they're able to fight back. Uh, and it totally kind of, like, avoids the severity of this, like, of like whole society. Yeah, like, oppression of women in terms of, like, serving. Mm-hmm. Like, it's totally, like, it was just, like, here's some 
dopey dudes. Uh, instead of like people being like, those dudes switched out their super powerful and amazing wives for obedient robots. This is worse than our AI episode. <laughs> so Yeah, and the thing is, it's like, it's they weren't even, like, they morphed weirdly into robots. Like, you have to suspend all disbelief that this would be oh, scientifically yeah. possible. But, like, it's just they have chips in their brain. Yeah, yeah. Only the husband is a full-on robot. Yeah. Because she murdered him. Yeah. I, I think, and it's super fun and playful, this new, uh, the remake. Uh, and, like, it is, like, poking fun at the absurdity of the plot. Yeah. Which it is very absurd, right? And the fact that, like, the first one took it so seriously is pretty fun. Um, and there are, like, really cool moments. Um, we even have, like, a new element with the gay character. Uh-huh. Uh, that, uh, Roger, who is essentially equated to the unruly, headstrong wife and is eventually turned into, gasp, a gay Republican. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, um I think it's kind of funny, too, that whole gay Republican thing, because there is a scene in Handmaid's Tale season two where character has a similar conversation. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. Um, but I feel like we really miss out the severity. And I'm totally not knocking this film because I enjoyed it. And I have oh, fun. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Right? Uh, and I love anything that Bette Midler's in. She looks like my mom. So I love it. Uh, but we totally miss, like, the toxic masculinity of this world and the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because uh, it's just like, <laughs> It just makes it seem like that isn't something that's extremely real and prevalent in our society. Mm-hmm. And it's just a funny, ha-ha, the men don't yeah. feel that way. And it was, yeah. And it d- definitely felt like we felt like we had progressed past a time when men would want that. And it was like a joke. But it's not true. Um, so... In the society, we have, like, men in their locker room talk, uh, in their secret mainly men clubs, where they're whining about their nagging wives. Yep. Super fun. Uh, there's so many lines uh, where men cry out, like, she wants me to cook, but I'm a man. <laughs> like, how dare she ask me to pick up the kids from school? I have a penis. <laughs> Somehow that means something here uh which made me think of this like twitter thread i saw where it was a bunch of men who were coming forward and like explaining times when they were called either feminine or gay because they did some like mundane task like flossing like some guy was like someone called me gay because i flossed or like voting or something like there's all these things that have been dubbed as being yeah it was, voting yeah it was absurd um i tried well, to find i guess it's it. good the other ones aren't voting yeah, if I that's do, what's great um, <laughs> that's ridiculous um what i think also <sighs> happens in this one is that we also miss how toxic this society is also to the men yeah because again they were like poked fun at but we totally miss like and i we didn't miss it. It's there. Um, that they're like, they're, they can't handle their life, <laughs> you know, and that yeah. they're just kind of um, emasculated and feeling down for themselves. But that's because of the society that they live in. Like, they can't even be happy with these headstrong, beautiful women well, who are their partners. Makes yeah. them feel like that is failing because the men have to provide. Yeah. Like, there is a line um, where I think it's like, um, What's the what's the evil guy's name? The actor, uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken, where he's just like, uh, like what what are we supposed to have like women who are like, like what are men supposed to feel if they have women who are like bringing home the bacon and doing all this stuff? Essentially, I'm totally butchering this line, and she's like, uh, proud. <laughs> she's, like her response is like. Uh, you're lucky. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you should feel lucky that you have a wife that's super smart and can, like, hold her own in an argument and, like, can, like, contribute to society in this, like, profound way. And she's like, how, yeah. how could you not want that? It's, it's really bizarre because it's, you're basically saying that you wouldn't have to struggle and do everything yourself and feel totally alone. Like, why, why not be a team? Yeah. That should be the better alternative. And you have to in today's society. That you're partners in this. And I mean, even you have people who know that that's a thing in today's society, but like actively like can't cope. And the thing about it is like. That they can't just do it themselves. This is further an idealistic idea because it exists in a time 
pre-2008 stock market crash. Yeah. And also, uh, we have uh, inflation, uh, cost of living has risen, and like you said in our classism uh, episode, our, uh, our paychecks are the same. Like our, we have not received a cost of living increase. Exactly. So it is actually impossible to have that idealistic life where the man is going, working one job and providing for a whole, ti- whole entire family. Like you need two working parents. That's yeah. just how it works now. Um, or you need someone who's working several jobs and they're never home. And then it's like, now they're a bad parent because they can't be home. Like, you just can't win. So it's it's even more ridiculous to think that. Like, only the rich people who could afford a house in Stepford could ever even imagine something like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we have uh, Matthew Broderick's character who kind of, like, digs back at, like, this idea of, like, loving your wife no matter what, what she's like. Um, but he did have that, like, really cringy, awful when I'm home line. Yeah, that, <laughs> I was like, excuse me? What is that? Uh, Which is in response to his loving, trying so hard to please him wife who baked like 500 cupcakes, asking him when to expect him to be home. And he's like, when I'm home. I was like, "Mm -mm, you ain't talking to me like that. You ain't coming home. (laughs) That was my answer. That's the grossest. It's just like, you should be a team. You're Mm -hmm. two human beings deciding to cohabitate. Mm-hmm. Make children, maybe. Yeah. Live together. Yeah. You should be a team. There's no when I get home. It's like, no, we are partners I need in to this. know. Like, we have kids to dare- take care of. Yeah. And yeah, we also so have, gross. like, it's even further implemented with, like, the the toxicity towards men as well with our new gay character, right? So with the transformation of him was, like, he was supposed to be the unruly, really, like, mouthy housewife right so they turned him into a stepford wife which turn which wasn't what you would imagine like you would think he would be all dressed up in like you know uh baking cakes and all that stuff but they literally took all of the like uh generic gay character things away from him like they took all this colorful clothing and his like um his name brand clothing like uh his gucci and all the other things that made him like this gay archetype and flattened him out into the man yeah and he was the gay republican (laughs) cough pj cough uh where he was Saying, like, he was on a platform of, like, just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to be, like, flamboyant and raise your voice and uh, wear flashy clothing. And because that's what it means to be a man in Stepford. Yeah. Men have to follow the rules of the men. And women have to follow the rules of the women. So both groups are being put in these boxes. Yeah. There's no, like, wavering between them. So I found this article in The Guardian called Living Dolls by Jeanette Winterson. And she says, men must be men in Stepford, even if they're gay. The message is that owning a penis is everything, no matter how you choose to use it. The double message is that no guy should behave like a girl. Any more than girls should behave like guys. If you have a gender role, you got to fill it. And he was not. <laughs> like, because he was, he dared to be himself. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's everyone, right? Everyone dared to be themselves. Um, Jean, uh, Jeanette also goes on to compare the two films, which I thought was super interesting, of the old one versus the, the remake. So, at the beginning of the women's movement, men and women feared a disaster of Stepford proportions. Men would never cope with the new threat of their status, and women would be made to pay. Murdering and turning us into robots is the price of feminism, the earlier films seemed to say. Because in the first one, that's what they weren't just getting a chip, chip in them. They were being murdered and replaced with robots. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then she ended up having to, like, fight back and murder people back. Like, it was a horror film. Yeah. Whereas in this one, we're having fun, right? So the comedy remake lies in the excess. The message is that when a woman breaks out of her nature-intended backseat role, she loses her restraint in all sense of proportion. The message here is, you got what you wanted, girls, but how much has it cost? And was it worth it? Uh, right-wing think tanks all over the world point to increasing divorce rates, child crime, and rocketing levels of family stress, and blame it on women who are more interested in personal achievement than family life. So in modern, so in the old one, our heroine was uh, a photographer and they moved to Stepford not because like she had to escape, but because they were rising in status. Like they were getting money. So they went to the suburbs. That's what happens. 
And that was the story. It was like, how dare she have her own job and do her own thing? In the remake, it was like a woman who was now running a television station and making this like corrupt like TV shows and like making her own. And that was the price that they had to pay was she was being punished by getting sent to Stepford. And all three of them had been. Bobby as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, she had to finish her Roger. book. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have like, uh, it, like we've said many times on this podcast that these films are a product of their time and that's why it's like it's pretty outdated and i would love to see like a new stepford wives although like get out exists and it's very reminiscent of uh stepford wives but with racial commentary but i think we could use one for women as well uh jeanette goes on to explain how the remake is more timely and prevalent to the audience of its time in 2004, where she says, for us now, the sight of Kidman baking 500 fairy cakes in an effort to be a real woman is funny because we don't suffer from the anxiety of a generation whose mothers were those 1950s housewives. So we don't have that direct uh, generation situation where our moms are like, you know, you have to be this person, right? Like, I certainly don't have that. Uh, I come from a very matriarchal family line, so it's always very foreign to me to be like, you do what now? You're not the one who's going out and buying, like, making money? That's all we did. Um, Not to say the men didn't, too, but it was always, like, yeah, very matriarchal. I raised by a single mom, too, and it was just like, you did what you needed to do, survive. Men consistently... Let you down. Weren't nothing but butts. Because I can't curse. So yeah. <laughs> uh, they ate nothing but butts the whole time. Like you can't rely on a bed for nothing. Like you, can't. you They say they're gonna show up, they don't show up. Yeah. They say they're, they're gonna bring you birthday presents, they don't bring you birthday presents, whatever. Yeah. I Women think it's do like, it. And at that time, like I said, th- those fears were funny. Like, we yeah. went from, like, in the, the 72 version, those were very real fears. Because we were, like, burning bras. We were, like, you know, um, uh, not writing, but, you know, protesting and doing yeah. all kinds of things, right? We were making a statement. And then in 2004, it was kind of, like, lukewarm, nothing was going on. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. 2004 was, like, a blip in the universe where everyone was kind of, like, we're not questioning anything. <laughs> we're just existing. So, it's a time where... Um, it could be made fun of because everything was everything was politically incorrect and it was fun. Uh, but we have this idea that, you know, these fears are too absurd for reality, which I find really funny, uh, considering what we'll c- cover next week on Handmaid's Tale. Because it's not. It's it it's the future, right? And it, it is terrifying. And sometimes we kind of see ourselves regressing towards those values that you talked about, um, the traditional ones. And so these things do feel really pertinent because women are getting more independent and making their way. Yeah. I, I mean, the things that I mentioned are all arguments that people still use commonly today to justify mm-hmm. those things. And when we talk about Handmaid's Tale, there are a lot of the arguments made to justify what they're doing to the women of the society. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's just like... People like to laugh and think, ha-ha, it's so far-fetched. But I think, honestly, if, like, women got to, like, we have the right to say no now if we mm-hmm. don't want to have sex. Yeah. That's crazy. That's a big deal. They're trying to take away birth control because we decided, hey, we be, maybe we don't want to have babies at all. But also, like, when we can't afford them or also when, like. We don't get married at 15 anymore. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. it's an archaic ritual. We should revolve yeah. our lives around that. And it's, like, science also supplements to a point where I think, like, if the option was that men could go somewhere and make babies with robots, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. We'll or be fine we over just, here. you know, make them in a We'll in keep a the ones tube. we like and <laughs> the men we like and the rest of y'all oh, can gotcha. go somewhere with your robot wives. Yeah. Um... Yeah, so... As long this, as they aren't sentient. Yes. This idea that Rupert... R- Rupert... Robot wives is absurd, right? Uh, or is it? <laughs> uh, and that's, like, no doubt, yeah. Robot wives is absurd. Because that wouldn't really happen. No, it's not. AI. We had a whole episode about it. Gabe? Yeah, but to fighting. that extent, I think... Okay, no, I'm kidding. Right? <laughs> and it's to replace the ones you have. Yes. You would just fall in love with new ones. Anyway, yeah. uh, but the idea that men would change us doesn't seem really far-fetched. Yeah. And I think that's what we're missing. Like, we put robot in there, and then we're like, oh, it's funny. But if you think about, like, they want to manipulate us to perform this function that they think is what we should do, that's very realistic. That's very likely. Um, and the theme with the, the well, the tone 
in regards to the theme, changes with the new film. Yeah. Like, it, it's just not taking it very seriously. So Jeanette says uh, that women deserve to be punished was implicit to both the earlier film and the novel. That women have a right to be themselves, literally, i.e. a right not to be reprogrammed, is embedded in the new Stepford. Yeah. So, like, the previous one had this fear that we were going to be punished for trying. And then the other one is just like, just be you. <laughs> like, and love will prevail. Uh, I think what's super interesting with the the new film, because it's a twist in the end, it's not like the original, is that at the heart of the issue, we have a woman who is the creator. So, yeah. spoilers. Um, <laughs> and uh, we'll see this, we'll see, like, this woman in power creating everything again in Handmaid's Tale when we talk about it, which I think is super important. Like, this dichotomy of women who... Um, what did she call her? Uh, Serena Joy calls it domestic feminism. And there are many domestic feminists that exist now that really truly believe that the role of women is in the house. Yeah. It's just what they think. And it's generally like Christian women. Uh, sometimes I get lost in the rabbit hole of like those open pages that people have where they'll post like really crazy, like religious things where they're like, for the woman has to do this and that and that. And I'm like, wow, it's 2020. We're still doing this. Uh, But I think it it only furthers the saturation of the toxic masculinity that's implemented in this vision. Like having Glenn Close or Claire, as her name is, uh, envision a perfect world where women are subservient to men. Yeah. Like she had this idea of this like traditional life. And the reason she had that ideal is because of how ingrained like the patriarchy is in our society. Um, so she wanted women who are perfect, obedient, lovely, and flawless, and only live to serve and be loved. And I think that's a big thing too, that she totally missed the mark with that, because those men did not love their wives. No man who's gonna change their wife out for a robot loves her. <laughs> yeah, who like doesn't want her to be a real person. Or herself, like she literally was that kind of person. Like, there, so yeah. <laughs> there's this line, so, because um, we, like, as viewers, you see that, because the men clearly did not love their wives, uh, because at the core of them, they were these hardworking, headstrong, powerful women who, like, love that. So there's this line that's, like, my favorite in the whole film is, uh, Walt says to his wife when they, like, reconcile, he says, no more black, only high-powered, neurotic, castrating Manhattan career bees wear black. Is that what you want to be? And Joe replies, ever since I was a little girl. <laughs> and I was like, and it's like this punch and it just keeps going. And it kind of like the delivery kind of reminded me of Adam's family for some reason. But uh-huh. I loved it so much because she's like, I like, she's totally missing like what he's saying. She's like, yeah, I've always wanted to be that. Like that's a positive thing to me. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, I love wearing black. And she still, despite that, went out of her way to try to be the perfect wife for him. And I think like that added part really like hits home too is like, is that why he kept her? Because she was trying. Because yeah. I don't think any, any of the other wives tried. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's stress, weird. Isn't it? Uh, so, in reality, like I said, these men never loved their wives. Uh, and that's the only reason why they were able to transform them to robots to begin with. That's the only way a man could do that. Yeah. Which means, sorry, Claire, but your society sucks. Because <laughs> uh, Claire was also planning to transform the men, uh, and that is overlooked, I think, like, because it's so last minute that she yeah. reveals that, that it just kind of goes over. And I don't know what the society that Claire would make would look like other than it would be boring, uh, but maybe like Pleasantville. Yeah. Right? Like I would just say Pleasantville, Pleasantville. Totally gray. Uh, but Walter did love his headstrong wife, and she, he, she loved his goofy self. Um, and this reminded me of uh, when I brought my boyfriend home to meet my mom, and she was harassing him and questioning him and asked him if I was the breadwinner and was, like, working... I don't know, I was famous or something. I was working really hard because that's what I do. Uh, that would he stay home and take care of the kids? And he immediately was like, yeah. Uh, and I also asked your boyfriend, Kat, that same question. And he was like, yeah, sign me up. He keeps <laughs> telling me I'm going to be... Fa- like, he... So he's yeah, really rooting for it. He's really funny because he'll honestly, he'll be like, you, he always like, your eyes are going to get famous before I'm famous. No. Like what? Like he he's always says. He's in the, he was just in the newspaper. No, I know. But that's what I'm saying. He's always just like. He wants you to. He, he but he has so anything. much faith in like <laughs> yeah. our talents. Yeah. That he's like always just like, 
it's it's coming. Yeah. I know it's coming. You guys are going to get famous. Like, it's going to... Yeah. You're, yeah. you're going to do amazing things. Like, our boyfriends are so great. And, and I think with that existence, <laughs> we have come a long way, right? Yeah. Like, with those two answers, one, there's no way that... And if someone answered a different way, that they would be with us. That's <laughs> one, fair. we're two... We are the headstrong women. Like, I don't think we would end up in Stepford. There's no way. I'd be so uncomfortable. Um, but I would love to make a remake of Setford Wives. Uh, although I feel like it wouldn't even work because we have men who stay at home and love it. That's kind of like... Um, but our real enemies are the self-proclaimed nice guys, or like incels, uh, who expect us to be obedient. So maybe the whole thing is that we don't... They don't have wives, and then they have to abduct them. Hmm. There's a really good song that says, Nice guys finish last in the bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> to get it yeah uh, since then it's like it kind of gets rid of the gross insult yeah. thought process or it's yeah. like nice guys finish last yeah but like, in the bedroom because the they let yeah. go first I guess see what you're saying yeah. uh, it's positive they don't do that <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh, one final tidbit is that in the novel, the book, there is a black family that is yeah. very prominent. There is no black family in either one of these films. Um, in the new one, I'm guessing that it's kind of switched out for, like, the one gay couple, which I guess is, like, they can only have one minority or in one, like, not white, not straight thing <laughs> in a film at a time. So that's fun. Uh, that sounds like I also from was, the time like, trying to put a Puerto Rican in that. He's like, when I'm home, like, it's like, you when you're what? Because <laughs> not this one. <laughs> you ain't coming back here. <laughs> you don't live here anymore. Your stuff is already outside. <laughs> you're going to see it on your way out. It's fine. It's going right through the window. don't like it it's snips and snails and puppy, puppy dog, dog tales, tales which for any of our millennial audiences will know that's what the rowdy rough boys from the powerpuff girls were made of yeah the ladies were sugar spice and everything nice yeah and chemical x i was also on it so yeah Kat, for the idea of oppressing women historically <laughs> how you feeling we have to do this part what? every single time. Snips, whatever <laughs> snails. Every time we puppy dog tail. It's just like, who's gonna say that's great? <laughs> that's my favorite. Um, okay. Gabe, how about you? I mean, hate it. Yeah. <laughs> like what? Definitely against it. Uh, what about the film Stepford Wives? Eh, it was cool. Yeah, Enjoyed. it was fun. Yeah. I, again, I really love Bette Midler. And it's the part where she turned into a robot again. Uh, <laughs> and she looked just like my mom. So if you know my mom, please tell her that she looks like Bette Midler. She loves to hear it. Yeah. I just really loved how when they turned their wives into robots, that their fragile egos were a part of it was that they faked it loudly during sex. Yeah. I thought like, that was really you, funny. How can you live in like not, like you know that's fake. You yeah. know it's programmed. Why don't you feel conscious about that? Because porn, I don't know. It is weird. That's weird. Super weird. Like, you know, she's a robot. Um, but, yeah. I also loved reading this article where it compared Get Out to Stepford, and I was like, it's literally the same thing. Yeah. So, like, here's a photographer. The glitchy glitch. <laughs> where she was, like, doing the hoedown. Yeah. You know, hoedown. Um, the old one was, like, a whole time. So, yeah, they were fine. It was good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for next week. It's gonna be really stressful. <laughs> Guys, it's gonna get really dark. Yeah. It was already my section was already like super dark and long. Um and I'm next week we're just gonna tell you how we're not really far from Handmaid's Tale and y'all need to like open your eyes. It's just like not so impossible is what I'm saying. It's like pretty possible. <laughs> Blessed be the fruit. Leave the um, Lord open. Praise be. Uh, yeah, so that's next week. But thank you so much for joining us.
Thank you so much. In this time that we have spoken, I have crocheted a whole blanket. <laughs> With perseverance and dedication, you can complete your wifely duties. Yes. So, as they say, don't get married. They'll, They'll eat, eat your, your kids. kids. And that's your only job. Get married and then have kids so that they can be eaten. As is thus. As is the wish of the Lord. <laughs> Under his eye. <laughs> <laughs>